One of the best things I ever did for myself was to register for the DNA surprise retreat last year. It was shortly after I found out about my DNA surprise and my ethnicity shift. The retreat was a place of community and friendship and understanding and learning that I was not alone. I learned skills to manage the shock and I was learning to begin to heal. I was so surprised that many people were going through the very same thing or similar circumstances. I was surprised by the empathy and the care that I received. I was surprised in a lot of other good ways. Is there any way you can go to the retreat this year? I can highly recommend it in every way. Let your story begin. Let your healing begin. Whether you just uncovered your DNA surprise or you've been on this journey for a while, the DNA Surprise Retreat is for you. Registration is open now. Join us from September 19th through the 22nd, 2024, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. You can reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. Because the secret is a wedge. The secret is a, an elephant in the room. In its literal form, it takes up everything and it pushes away the light and you don't feel it. You don't see it consciously, but you feel it in other ways. So when you return to your ancestral homeland or when you finally find the truth, when you finally see that picture, that connection, it's, it's visceral. It's internal. It's, it's, it's when Harry found the wand in Ollivanders. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It explodes from you mm-hmm. that it's you're real. Imagine spinning into a tube, sending off your DNA, and unknowingly turning your life upside down. For me and thousands of others, this is our reality. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July of 2021, I discovered that I am an NPE, someone who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. This podcast shares the journeys of people who were shocked by a DNA discovery, mostly through modern DNA testing. We're telling the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. This is DNA Surprises. In this episode, Carrie shares a complicated story filled with intergenerational trauma, secrets, and lies. As a quick content notice to listeners, this episode does contain a brief reference to suicide. If you or anyone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide or self-harm, please call 1-800-273-TALK. I want to thank Carrie for sharing her unique perspective on healing and forgiveness. My name is Carrie. I'm 45 years old, and I am currently in Northeastern Pennsylvania, but I'm born and raised in New York, downstate, Long Island, Queens. <laughs> nice. An accent sometimes. <laughs> Coffee water daughter. (laughs) Yes, I love it. Without further ado, what is your DNA surprise story? Funny enough, I kind of always knew that I wasn't 
in the right place, sort of. Uh, I grew up on Long Island. It was a very, very small community, very, very small town feeling, even though it's New York. Um, and the rumor around town was that my mom liked to step out on my dad. It was a very common rumor that was affronted to me when I was a kid. And honestly, I didn't think twice, like I never thought that it was true when I was really young. I thought it was just kids being mean, like, oh, your mom's a, you know, this. But I never looked like anybody in my family. I look like my mother, surprisingly a lot right now. But when I was young, um, very blonde hair and green eyes and very pale skin. And everyone in my family looks Sicilian, like Italian. My father, my two brothers, my sister, they all have dark hair, darker skin, pinned straight hair, um, almost black hair, darker skin. And everybody in my family has blue eyes, even my mother. And my mother has brown hair and blue eyes. There are some blondes in the family, but because they're part of like my father's half siblings family, they're not really blood related to me. Right. You know what I mean? They mm -hmm. are. They're, they're blonde. Their blondness came from their father, who was not my grandfather. He was like my step-grandfather. Because my family is a very complex family full of secrets and lies. Um, my father was raised by his grandparents, but as his parents, and his mother was raised as his sister. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's fairly common, right? Yeah. 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 You know, um, and my mother didn't know who her father was. Mm. So we have great examples set forth here. Um, but growing up, I didn't look like anybody in the family. They treated me very, very differently. And my father, at a certain point, I mean, he was very, I don't want to say abusive. I want to say neglectful, apathetic. He, mm -hmm. he really introduced us. This is my wife, Eileen. This is my son, John, my son, James, my daughter, Shannon, and this is Carrie. Mm -hmm. He was the mechanic and he had a toolbox. And inside the toolbox, he had pictures of his kids, but not of me. Wow. There were, there were things like that and they bothered me and I would say things and, and my father would say that I was being dramatic or whatever. Cause I was like the family whipping post <laughs> for everything that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> therapy at a very young age when nobody else did. Like I was just treated differently. I looked differently. I felt like I was different. Then they made jokes that I was the mailman's kid. Or then when they found out that, uh, the mailman was a woman. It was the milkman's kid. I was the milkman's kid. I mean, all all these different, it was constant my entire life that I was somebody else. But it was a joke. Like it wasn't real. But like, was there, do you think that there was truth to that? Like, oh, no, for there your, absolutely for, was. I mean, well, no, I mean, there absolutely. was truth to it. But yeah, I mean, did your, no, there was. Your, so, so your dad I, knew, right? So yeah. my dad suspected. Okay. So my mom apparently had had multiple affairs. Mm -hmm. um, my parents got divorced when I was 10 years old um, because my father went to wake up my mother and she said, not now, Frank. And my father's name is Richie. Oh, wow. <laughs> and again, okay. the whole neighborhood knows this. Yeah. This is all, everybody knows this. I know that detail because the neighbor's kids told me, not my parents. Oh yeah. my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Everybody knew. Right. Mm -hmm. So my mom had multiple affairs. 
And um, around the time that my parents got divorced, my father told me that um, he had a vasectomy before I was born. Um, oh, wow. That he didn't think that I was his. Now, fast forward years later, he'll say that he never said that. And my father is a pathological liar, like to an extreme. He, he makes up war stories that aren't true. He, he decided he was an alcoholic one day and started going to AA, but nobody ever mentioned him drinking. You know, like he's just, he's an, he's, you can't believe anything he says. Mm -hmm. And then I asked people that I know to be trustworthy. So almost everybody is dead, but my mother had a best friend, somebody she grew up with from when she was like 16 years old, my aunt, she's not my real aunt, but that's what I call her. And I know who they, who their friends were at the time and things like that. And I've done deep diving here to try and find out just my family's true story because there's so many secrets and lies. Everybody lies about everything somehow. So you can't believe it. Like I just never believed it. Um, and then it turns out that he didn't have a vasectomy before I was born. He had a vasectomy like three years after I was born. So that squashed that, you know? So once again, it was just stupid rumors and everybody lies. You can't believe anything anybody says. And then I got married and I had my own kids and I actually stopped talking to my family for a long time because they were very abusive and dysfunctional and it was a horrible situation. Um, but they were still my family. Like I didn't doubt that they were, there was a small voice in the back of your head, you know? Mm -hmm. And then two of my daughters developed this kidney condition that is hereditary and genetic. And now I've learned that there's a difference between the two when this happened. And genetic means, you know, this is what happens when you and this guy mix your, your, your stuff together. This, anything can happen with the mix of the genes. His genes, your genes. But now what you have is also hereditary. So after this, every generation can have it. But that doesn't mean that because you have something that's hereditary that you received it from somebody before, because yeah. this could be the genetic swirl of it, so to speak. Um, and I didn't have any of these kidney issues in my family. My husband didn't have any of these kidney issues in his family. And I continued the cycle of abuse. Unfortunately, I married a very horrible man, a very abusive man. And he would constantly remind me that my own family didn't love me. Like he was the only person who would ever put up with me. Um, and he would always tell me like, he's not your father. That's not your family. You know what I mean? They're not your family. And I remember when my middle daughter was christened, um, my family did show up and people kept coming up to me and saying, where's your family? And I said, that's them at that table. And they're like, you don't look anything. Like, I heard it all the time. You don't look anything like them. Yeah. I look like my mom. So around the time that my kids got sick, I decided that I wanted to get a DNA test. But back then, still, this is still, you know, 15, almost 20 years ago, it was like $400 to get a test between me and a sibling. I wouldn't be able to get it with my dad because the thing is, is I wasn't talking to my family and I didn't want them to know why I was getting the test. So I told them that I was getting genetic testing to see if, you know, one of my kids needed a kidney. Would we be able to come through the family? Right. Mm hmm. My dad, I automatically wouldn't be able to ask him that way because he's too old. He's got health problems. He ain't giving me his kidney. Right. So I asked my sister to test with me. Um, and she said no. Like she didn't care if one of my kids died. She wasn't going to give him a kidney anyway. So there's no way to test. So then I have this um, I have a drunk, vagrant brother who lives in Vegas. I, I had 
uh, I'm one of four siblings. My oldest hung himself. My sister is, let's not talk about that one. My other brother is um, a vagrant and most of the time I'm homeless. We didn't all turn out well, regardless of who our paternity was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so parent had agreed to do the testing. But I had to save up the $400. And I was I was halfway there. I was at like, I don't know, close to 300 I think. And then I got sick. I got sick with this really rare skin disease called hydrodenitis separativa. And basically, I almost lost my arm. It, it, I had to go in the hospital and I had to have surgery. And I had this huge infection that happens either, you know, in your armpit or in your groin. And luckily it was not in my groin. It was in my armpit. But at the time that this happened, I remembered that when I was young, my dad had this same thing. Well, I didn't know the name of it. All I know is my dad was very sick. He had to have surgery on his armpit and he laid in the bedroom for days. And I remember like back then they used to put like this iodine looking stuff, betadine all over you. And you had this like arm was raised and it was all yellow. And I'm like, there's my proof. Like, I don't need to save the money and spend the $400 on this test. There's the proof. He's my dad. Unless my mom had sex with two people who have this rare freaking skin disease, how likely is that? So that put your your questions to that bed. That put my mind at ease. Yeah. And okay. I stopped looking. I stopped thinking about it. I 100% knew that my dad was my dad. And I was like all happy. Like, I'm never going to tell him. Like, I know, and I'm never going to tell him. I'm Because he's treated me this way his whole life. I'm never going to say anything to him, you know. I, but I know the truth. You know, mm-hmm. and that's it. I speak to my family for many years, and we fast forward um, to last year, right before the pandemic. My father is very old and alone, and eating cat food, and uh, in an apartment in New York that he can't afford, and he's getting evicted from. He's a veteran, and they're offering him just a shelter. Um, he can't bring his possessions. He can't. Um, So now this man that I don't talk to and haven't spoken to in years, and we've had a terrible relationship my whole life, I he has to come live here in Pennsylvania with me because there's nobody to take care of him. My oldest brother is dead. Um, My other brother is a vagrant. My sister is living in Mississippi and doing her thing. And I believe that she wanted him to come down there, but he was not willing to do that. Uh, For whatever reason, again, you can't believe half the things he says even now. Mm. And at the time that I found him, he was talking to dead people that weren't there and eating cat food, like I said. So I was like, all right, we have two houses here in Pennsylvania, my husband and I. I'm remarried. I'm not with the first husband anymore. He went off and left for a (laughs) 26-year-old. So I had four kids and I was single and I was struggling, but I found the man of my dreams and I'm married and remarried. He's a wonderful man, great father. We have a good life. I can't complain. We have two houses. One of them we actually rented out. So that's it. My father's going into the rental house a half hour from me here. And I go and I check on him regularly and I take care of him. Despite the relationship that we had, it has now grown into something very different. We've become very close. That's good. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's it's an amazing story mm-hmm. um, in that sense in how we've we've put a lot of our demons to rest. My family has kind of come back together in a way. Not fully and never will be. Well, 
about a year or so ago, um, my ex-husband decided to be so fun and tell his 22-year-old daughter that he doesn't think that he's her father. And he knows what this did to me my whole life. Like we spent 17 years together. He knows what this did to me. And he made the decision to do this to his child. When he lost the ability to abuse me personally, he uses the children to hurt me. He tries to turn them against me at all times. He insists that I've, you know, because he cheated, he wants to verify, you know, validate that by saying I cheated on him the whole marriage. Mm -hmm. I abused him. Um, oh, the stories that he spins. Oh, the victim that he is. It's terrible. But I know that all four of my children are his. And, and he would do this to me over the years. And I would be like, we're going to get a DNA test and we could never afford it. But I would be like, we're going to do it. And he'd be like, no. And he would take it back. Like I was just mad. You know, he would say it all the time. And so when he said it to her this time, again, divorced, remarried, you're not under my control anymore. I can't believe you're still hooked on this thing. I haven't heard that argument in a long time, but all right. As soon as he said it and he told her, I was like, we're getting that ancestry test because his whole family did ancestry and they had a DNA surprise. (laughs) They're, they're everywhere. They're just everywhere. Years ago when ancestry first came out, they all got tested and they all came back. Not my husband, but his, um, his aunt and his cousins, and it turns out that his aunt has a different father than the rest of them. And none of them knew other than, again, she had blonde hair and pale skin when the rest of them all looked, you know, differently. Mm-hmm. Irish in there. And every time there's Irish in there, somebody's like, oh, it's just the Irish side. No right. matter, it always happens, you know, because <laughs> the Irish were abundant. So, so my husband said, you know, Sorry, my ex-husband put this train in motion by telling my daughter that he wasn't her father, but he is. And I went and I got the test. And sure enough, my daughter's DNA came back and it uh, it had said that she was his, she related to his, his family. You know, mm-hmm. obviously he didn't do it, but she was related to his family. So that was the proof. But the, the weird thing is, is that it said she wasn't Italian or German. But my, but my dad's Italian and German. How can you not be Italian and German? And I knew like almost immediately, but I was, I did what everyone else does. Like it's wrong or DNA doesn't break down all the way, you know, like she didn't get that part of me, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, I got to do my own now. I got to see what my own breaks down as, you know? And because there's that part of my brain that knew, I didn't do ancestry. I didn't just want to know what my ethnicity was. If I just wanted to know what my ethnicity was, I would have done ancestry just like my daughter did, just like everybody else did. But I didn't. My father has a sister, a half sister. He has two half sisters, but he, you know, one of them is on 23 and me. So I said, I'm going to do 23 and me because there was, there was that part of my brain that knew right away, whether or not I wanted to admit it. You know what I mean? There was a part of it that knew as soon as I was an Italian, that I wasn't my father's. I knew it, but I, again, I was just, it was a mistake, but I'm going to do 23 and me because I, you know, I want the medical report. You know, that's, that's what I told myself. Right. You the know. denial is strong. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So you did 23 uh, and me. And I'm not related to my, my aunt Barbara. Mm. Jeez, that's weird. So I, I called my sister and 
Now I make my sister do it. Um, and my sister did it. And sure enough, it, we're half sisters. And it's just, I'm Irish, English, Scottish, and Portuguese. When before I was Irish and Sicilian, like equally, you know, like it was my whole, the Italian mom thing. Like that's the other thing. Because I didn't look Italian, like I dove hard into Italian. You know what I mean? Like I was the Italian mom. Nobody cooks the sauce like I do. Like, <laughs> yeah. So how did you feel? <laughs> how did that you was feel? actually the most offensive part to me. I cried for days that I wasn't Italian. Yeah. <laughs> well, because that's it's tied to your identity. And like you said, you didn't feel like you fit it, you know, stereotypically. Like I always knew. And that's yeah. what it was. Like I always knew. So that part didn't smack me as much as much as the, the reality of what it meant. Mm -hmm. That's what really hit me, you know? And then I, then I had to know, but how do I know? How do I find out everybody is dead? How do I find out who my mother secretly sacked on the side 45 years ago? When did you find out? Uh, right around the spring, uh, April. Of this of, year? Uh, of this, yeah, yeah, this year. And so your mother passed, and you 20 said years ago, 20, 20 years, years ago, ago, so you couldn't ask her. No. So what did you do? Uh, so I decided to get a little crazy. <laughs> 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 and I did a, a deep internet dive, you know what I mean? And I, I also contacted, I, I contacted all of my mom's friends that I had contacted previously asking about my father's lies. You know, my father had these war stories that weren't true and he had that vasectomy story. And, you know, I needed to know people that knew my mom from when she was young. And through this, I, I built um, a small list of names of people they remembered my mom that it might be a possibility. One of them was um, just a family friend that they were, you know, all close with. Another one was um, a, a boarder that my grandmother had a house and she rented out rooms to boarders from Ireland who came over from Ireland. One was a boarder from Ireland. The third name, actually, my sister came up with. My sister said, you know, I, I remember this guy that mommy and daddy used to fight about all the time. And when you go into the, the list of names, you know, of people that you're associated with, none of these names were in the most common names. It's in Ancestry, it shows you the most common names of people that you're related to. And the, the names that I'm related to are all the most common names in existence. It's, it's Johnson, Jones, Brown, you know, like there's no way to narrow anything down. <laughs> I was going to say that does not help. None of those are the three names that I've narrowed down who is the possibility that my mother slept with in the, in the mid seventies. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is just the three that people have heard of. Who knows, you know, I know my mom was a drinker. What if she was sexually assaulted? And, you know, in the 70s, and you're a married woman with three kids at home, because I'm the youngest of four kids. So she was a married woman with three kids at home out drinking in a bar and something happened. You think she's going to tell anybody? Not in the 70s. I had no idea what could have happened. All I know is I have these three possible names. None of them match up with any of the most common names. And I'm related to like 20,000 people on Ancestry. You can't go through each name individually, you know, mm -hmm. I started going through the closest DNA matches and sending messages like, Hey, I want to know how I'm related to you. 
And this woman got back in touch with me and she says, I have no idea how we're related. We're like second cousins, but I'll give you access to my family tree. And I said, okay, because that's the other thing on Ancestry, you know, you can look at all these people, but if they're not showing their tree, you have no idea. Just, you have no idea who you're related to somehow. Mm-hmm. But this one woman just, it was the most random thing because nobody else had responded to me, but this one woman responded and her last name did not match any of the last names that I know to be, you know, of my suspicions, but she gives me the, the access to the family tree. And as soon as I open her family tree, I see it. All of them are this. And Link is one of the names on the three that I had, the three had narrowed down. Like I can't remember the other two. Um, but one of them was, so I said, oh my goodness, I, I don't know how to say this other than I, I, I don't really know who my dad is. And I have a, a list of people that she's possibly had an affair with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and last name was, and you have so many limbs in your thing. Do you know of a in your family? And she did not. And I'm like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. Hope's dad. Right. Yeah. But I, but at the same time, I, it doesn't seem right, you know. So I type into um, Ancestry, and sure enough, I'm I'm related. Um, yeah, no, in Ancestry, I'm related. To, so um, I, it's got to be linked, but how? So then I actually ordered a subscription to um, like that newspaper archive thing that you can get through Ancestry. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a premium feature. Mm-hmm. Uh And I decided that I wanted to find Carl himself and just ask him what he knew about my mom, you know, and maybe that would helpfully get me somewhere. Maybe he had brothers or cousins or maybe there's something, you know. So I I went to the newspaper thing and I typed in the name and I narrowed it down to Nassau County and I was looking for births, obituaries, anything like that. And sure enough, I found an obituary for a mother who was survived by his son, Junior. Mm. And they lived in a town very close to my town. And now I understood that the super car was an initial. So I went back to that woman's family tree. And sure enough, she has a great grandfather. We're, we're splintered off by a great grandfather. Um, there was a third brother in a family tree. So that's why those two families didn't even know each other. And now the obituary said Myron Sr. Um, was survived by his wife, Um and her name was Elizabeth, and I'm related to a whole bunch of Fernandes that's on uh, 23 and Me, and that's by the way, the Portuguese, Portuguese, I'm mm-hmm. Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is it. This is the guy. Yeah. I, this is definitely it. Um, this is I'm his daughter. Now I got to find him. Yeah. So did you? <laughs> yeah. <up>. Yeah. So <laughs> then I paid for one of those, you know, 39.99. You could do everything online. It is terrible. Buying. You really can. I know it's in junior can't be the most common name in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I did a background check. I found out where he lived. I found out how many kids he had. I looked everybody up on Facebook. He was not on Facebook. His current, his, his previous wife had passed. His current wife is on Facebook and two of his three children are on Facebook, but everything is shut down in private. Like you can't really see anything. But I was able to see some pictures, you know, people put profile pictures or whatever that are made public. And I just sat there staring at those pictures, man. Like it just, like, I feel like I can see myself and I, everybody I talk to, nobody else sees it. 
that it's even more offensive to me now. They're like, no, nah, I don't see it. You don't look like them. Fuck you. I feel like I do. I see it now. You, you see know yourself. I, yeah. I do. Like I can see my facial expressions in some of the ways that their mouth sits or like, I can't explain it. I can, first of all, my hair color. This is not, well, it is now. This is my natural hair color. But growing up, my hair was lighter. My, 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 it's not almost black or brown. And my half sister has my very similar hair color. Mm. Only mine looks more reddish. I don't know. Like I saw myself, whether anybody else sees it or not, I saw myself. And it, it took me a little bit of nerve. Um, but with these background checks, you get everything. So I got his email address. I got a phone number. I got an address. So I'm like, I can send an email. I can send a letter. I can, what should I do? So I sent an email and I sent a text and then I waited. And I, the email and the text said the same thing. I said, hi, you know, my name is Carrie and my mother was Eileen. And I was hoping to talk to you about my mother. Usually, because my mom was a very well-loved person. Everybody wants to talk about my mom. In a long time, everybody misses her, you know. Mm -hmm. That's always going to be a getter, you know. Everyone's going to want to talk about my mom. They had to close down the road for her funeral. Wow. You know, it was tremendous. But so he called me back the very next day, very next day, and I told him. And, you know, it, at first it, it seemed to go really well, Um he seemed very open to the, he accepted it immediately. He didn't doubt it. He didn't need to see a DNA test. And, and I was very hopeful that I could possibly, um, get to know them and build something. And I don't know, just know a new set of, a new side. Like, I just want to know. I just want to know them. Like, I don't, I don't want anything from them. I, I just want to know them. But he hadn't quite come to terms with what he calls his sinful past. It turns out that my dad is a deacon in the Baptist church. Oh. And he was cheating on his wife with my mother. Obviously, my mother was cheating on her husband as well. Mm -hmm. Had three small children at home. And his wife was actually probably eight or nine months pregnant when I was conceived. How did they meet? Did did your family attend um, that church or? No, no. My family's devoutly Catholic. Mm -hmm. No, my mom and him both did taxes. My mom was the, like in the creator of the side hustle. <laughs> she, <laughs> um, my mom worked for the telephone company full time. And then she sold Avon and she sold Tupperware and she did people's taxes and she cleaned people's steps. And she, she just did everything. Um, and she's a very smart woman. And she started, uh, she took an H&R Block course. And she met this man through an H&R Block course. And they both had just, you know, done people's taxes on the side and were friends. And my sister remembered that um, when she was young, my mom would take her to Carl's house. Because Carl had a son that was her age. And her and the son would play while mom and Carl went to do taxes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Taxes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my sister remembered that my parents used to fight because my father was jealous of Carl. But again, nobody takes anything my father says seriously. Like it's <laughs> right. 
say, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though those things are true, like we know certain things to be true, but he's just such a drama queen anyway. Like he makes <laughs> it all the time. Like my father's one of those people where if he thought that it would make you like him, he would tell you that he shot Lincoln or he was on the grassy knoll. Um, oh my goodness. Stories that he spins that are so beyond not true. Mm-hmm. He seemed very open and receptive, but he didn't quite know how to tell his family. And he wanted to pray on it. And he asked that I not contact him, that he contact me. And that immediately made me feel dirty and like the other woman. And like, this is probably very similar to a spin that you tell women, right? I'm not going to leave my wife or I'm going to leave my wife. I just need time. You know, Mm -hmm. this isn't a a mistress you have on the side. Um, And, and I decided to give him time and everybody said that same thing, give him time, you know, Um, but time went into weeks and, and he does reach out randomly. At first it was like, you know, once every two weeks. And then it became like once every six weeks. Now it's been like nine weeks, you know, since the last time, you know, it's, um, and he found out actually the day after Father's Day. I text and that text and that email on Father's Day. But so now it's been approximately nine weeks since the last time I've heard from him. Um, so we're, we're going on like six months since he's found out. I told him the last couple of times, I'm really not comfortable with secrets and lies. I'm really not comfortable. I don't know how you try to get to know somebody. Every time I can't just call him and talk to him or share anything, you know, like I have to wait for him to contact me. And then when he does contact me, he kind of talks to me about God the whole time. And that's like a whole different complex thing. I'm not religious. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I feel like, so I don't know. It's so complicated. Mm -hmm. Comes more and more offensive as time goes on. Yeah. To the point now or anything to do with them wait until he dies and contact my siblings. So that's your plan. You're going to wait. You're not going to contact them anytime soon. I don't want to, if I ever want to have a relationship with somebody, like I'm a, I'm a very good mediator in some ways growing up in the environment that I did. And if you want to have any headway, smashing him with a sledgehammer ain't going to be the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I come in against his wishes and say, well, your father didn't want to tell you this, but I'm telling you, and blow up his family. I don't know how welcome that's going to make me. Right. It's his decision to tell his family. I, I can't. It, it's almost like outing somebody in the LGBTQ. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's not my place. And furthermore, I I haven't told my own father. So your father doesn't know. Okay. Now that he's here. This man that I had no relationship with my whole life, and I'm taking care of him, and my eldest brother is dead, and he has nobody left. There's nobody. I'm not taking more children away from him. I'm not, I, I'm not bringing him back 40 years in pain to a woman who just, I mean, I, I don't want to take it away from him. He's got so little. The man is almost suicidal on a daily basis. He's got very little to live for. He's old. He knows he's done wrong. And it would just be cruel. I'm the only thing he has. Mm. And then 
feel to him that I'm charity. I'm taking care of him out of charity. And I'm not. I'm taking care of him because regardless of how shitty of parents they were, they, they taught me something about loyalty and family, which is why I want to get... Like, I, I never got the family I wanted. And I think I put too much hope into finding a better family on the other side. And that's not there either. Yeah. Um, and you know what? I already got one dad that didn't want me. I don't want a second one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. That's, that's so painful. That's so painful. It's remarkably so. And, and everybody in my life seems to not get that. That's what I was going to ask is what's, what is the reaction of, of your family, your, your children, your husband? Everybody agrees not to tell my dad with the exception of a few people. There's very few people and I'm actually one of them. <laughs> it depends on the day. So, so much of me feels like he does have a right to know that he was right. I mean, he beats himself up now for how terrible he was as a father and I'm not going to take that away. He was still a bad father, regardless of if you know or not, that's what you shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that, you know, right. but it might be a little validating to know that you were right, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't, again, he's old. Everybody he loves is dead. His one son is dead. His other son might as well be dead. He's a vagrant and many other things. Yeah. It's, it's a double-edged sword because in some ways, it's like, yeah, we deserve to know the truth. On the other side of it, it is very painful. And for somebody who's older... And back to the drama queen aspect, I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like, he's still living in Vietnam. He's mm. still living in, you know, my mother didn't love me. My mother raised me as her sister. You know, he's still living in all sorts of pain from years ago. Everything is fresh and new. We're going to add on that. And it's just another thing, you know. And then is he going to let me take care of him? You know, what'll happen then? Mm -hmm. So you don't wish to have a relationship with your biological father now based on his reaction? He would have to show me a different moral character. I've spent my life in secrets and lies, and I've devoted my life to being against that. There's a reason. I disowned my own family for almost 20 years to get away from the drama and the madness, and the lies, and the craziness. And I raised my kids on this, the worst thing you could ever do in the world is lie to me. And and we went down this path, and I went through almost 30 years of therapy. I helped people. I turned my life around. Like, I don't want this. I want a normal life. And, and, if, and if you want to talk to me, I don't believe in one-way relationships. I don't believe in secrets and lies. You're going to have to come clean with your family. You're going to have to accept that I have a right to know them. If they don't want to know me, that's fine, but they should have that choice. And they're going to get it when you die. Cause mm-hmm. I said that I'm very blunt. That's my other thing. I can't help it. And what was his reaction to that? He's not a reactive man and says, well, I could, I could see why you would feel that way. And, yeah. You know, I can't even digest what he says. It's all so much emotion when I'm on the phone with him. But mostly it's always, it always brings it back to God or how he's sorry. And he's just, he's, he's, he's unsure how to deal with things or how to move forward to be patient and to give him time. And I do all those things. I don't contact him. I respect his wishes. 
I wait did he, quietly. Did he tell you anything more about his relationship with your mother? No, very little. There was no love story. He, he doesn't even have much memories that he can reflect on other than to, you know, say, yes, it happened. But it probably only once, you know, because he, he doesn't remember it, you know, so much, which, okay. Like, I don't think he's being honest with himself still. I, I, to him, I think that he feels like God is punishing him. He won't say that, but he's more than once said that, you know, I'm a product of his sinful past, his sinful ways. is You know, like he doesn't see how hurtful that is. Mm-hmm. I'm not a I'm a, and I'm not a product of one. You know, people having sex is not a sin. Right. <laughs> I was born after the sexual revolution. You have to come to terms with this. Everything has sex, except for the plants and certain animals that don't. But yes. we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, mm-hmm. this is, and, and not only is it not a sin, it's human. Like you did something so very human so very human that it created another human yeah okay you weren't faithful to your wife but okay god says you shouldn't do this but you still didn't this happen like i i don't understand how 45 years later it could be so hard to say i did this and i said that to him on the last conversation i had with him again about eight nine weeks ago i said I, I, I know you feel that I'm putting a lot of pressure on you here to open up and do the right thing. I said, but whether you realize it or not, my concern is for you. Like, I'm thinking, right now I'm thinking as a wife. If my husband came to me and told me he had a child years ago that didn't know about, and genuinely didn't know, um, because by the way, my mom didn't tell him. My mom just stopped talking to him. Okay. And in the 70s, how is she going to know? You know, unless she specifically had never had sex with my dad. You know what I mean? And only had sex with this one guy. They didn't have DNA tests back then. If it was just a one-time or two-time fling, she probably thought it was my dad's. There's no way to know. You know, so she just put it out. I'm sure my mom just put it out of her head and didn't think of it. and never saw the guy again. That part rings true to knowing my mom. So if my husband came to me and said that he had this child that he never knew about, just found out, you know, I would absolutely be forgiving. But what's to forgive? I didn't even know you. Right. He didn't neglect you. You not tell me that you Mm -hmm. have a child that you didn't know about and you found out four months ago. Now we have a problem. What do you mean you found out four months ago? Four months ago? How can you not say anything? The longer you go on the harder it's going to be to tell them. Because now you got to say, I've known for a year. I've known for, like, that would make me mad. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're good in the beginning, but the longer you get, like, I, I, I am urging you to tell somebody because you can't keep it in. And, and if you believe the things you say you believe about God, I don't know how you sit in church every Sunday. I don't know how you counsel other people about their sins, how are you doing this? And those conversations tend to push them away, I guess, because it, the conversations keep getting further and further apart. But I'm not going to out them. I'm not going to force. You can't force somebody to do the right thing. That's kind of you. 
That really is. Because I think, especially when you're on this side of it and you want that radical honesty, I think it can be challenging to perpetuate that. And I so badly want to know my other siblings mm-hmm. and family. And, and okay, maybe we none of us are, are like anything. I don't know. It, none of it could work out. But how do you know? I've always felt like I wanted to, like I needed to be connected to something. And I wasn't. I wasn't rooted in anything. And my mom has been gone so long and I don't, I just, I wanted something to grab hold of. Yeah. It was very disappointing. But I can't, forcing that is not going to make that happen. That's going to drive it away. Mm-hmm. You know, you catch more flies with honey. Right. But I think I'm done with him. Okay. So when he comes to me again, I think I will say, because again, I'm blunt mm-hmm. and I can't keep it in. And he needs to know that you've already told me more than enough about the kind of man you are. So I'm just going to wait for you to pass. I'm not going to violate your wishes. And you obviously don't want to disrupt your life. This isn't something you're, you're willing to face head on. So I'm going to let it go for now and, and appreciate it if you just leave me be. Because otherwise I'm going to sit here wondering, when is the phone going to ring? When is he going to call me again? And I am. I'm counting weeks. This is ridiculous. It's been eight weeks. It's every Friday. It's another week. I don't want to do that. Mm-mm. Again, I'm with one father that didn't want me. Like, I can't put myself through this again. So I'd like to put you out of my head for now. And so I, but I can't tell him that until the next time he calls me. Oh, that's so frustrating. And I was going to do it the last time. Mm-hmm. But every time he calls, I want to give him the opportunity to be like, I told someone. And he just won't, yeah. You know, and it's like, I don't want to be a dark, dirty secret. Mm-mm. You're not. You're not. And that's how I was conceived. It just makes it more offensive. Where would you say that you are at with the journey? It sounds like you're done with your biological father, unless he makes some radical changes. What are your feelings yeah. toward your mother? It's funny. I was angry, very briefly, but it, I can't hold on to it. It's, it's kind of like trying to cup water in your hands. It's full for a second and then it drains. And it's so much because I know what it's like to feel alone in an empty marriage. I know what it's like to not want to go home at night and wish you had a different life. I know what it's like to not feel loved. My mother didn't know her father. She didn't know where she came from herself. Her mother was a very cold, forbidding woman. I just, I have been through a very rough life. And that has made me a deeply compassionate person, not just towards my mother, but towards everybody. In some of my worst, most horrible times, there was never anybody there for me. I was alone, very young. And I never wanted that for anybody. I, I literally can't sleep at night. If I know that there's somebody, I visit, you know, confirm somebody I know in pain and I can't, I, I'm not helping somehow. As a mother, I can't fathom the choices that my mother made. My mother did things I would never do. My mother didn't do things that I would do every day of the week. But when I think of my mom, I don't think of her like a mother. I think of the way she held me when I was at the beach because I was scared. 
or the way the sun shines in her eyes. She's been gone for so long. I just, it's like the little girl in me yearns for that. Because that was the only thing that loved me growing up. My family was not close, but my mother loved me. I knew my mother loved me. And I knew my mother. I knew that feeling and that scent. And those are the things that I think about when I think about my mom. I don't think about what a terrible mother she was. She really, she put everything before us. She was not the best mother in the world in many ways. And she was a drunk, but she loved me so purely in a way that honestly, nobody has ever loved me in my life. Nothing she did wrong bothered me anymore because she was just trying to live and she was in pain. And I can't stand to see anybody in pain. Mm -hmm. And we're all in pain. It's the most confounding thing in the whole world. We all have our own pain. Mm -hmm. And it's diff always different, but it's always the same. Yeah. It's always the pain of death, grief. But there's always the joy of life, birth, sunrises. It's like this big complex web of everything that confounds me into speechlessness, but into nonsensical babbling about how the universe is profound. We're all connected by our experiences that are also different, but also the same. Just living and trying to survive mm -hmm. and not hurt and be loved. We all just want to be loved. So true. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That was really beautiful. <laughs> that was really beautiful. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. I that I needed to hear that. So I'm sure that somebody listening needs to hear that too. So thank you. What advice would you give to parents who may be keeping a DNA surprise secret from their child? I think that every experience is different. And no cookie cutter answer is going to fit every situation you have to take so many things into consideration because truth is not just a right but it's a responsibility and it can be a weapon a dangerous one not everybody's capable i mean you, you got to think like jack nicholson you can't handle the truth <laughs> right. not everybody can man like really mm -hmm. truly not everybody's mentally or emotionally stable. Not everybody has admitted the truth to themselves. Self-awareness is a struggle for us all. And not all, not all of us even know we're on that struggling path. We're not trying to be self-aware. Mm -hmm. And for you to literally change somebody's reality you have to take that as a responsibility of utmost care. And it's not right for everybody. That's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. And I think if somebody's asking the questions, then they have a right to the answer. Mm -hmm. But other than that, the truth should be taken carefully. Mm -hmm. And everything depends. I'm not telling my dad, but everybody knows but my dad. And my dad was the one who knew in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
What advice would you give someone like us, somebody who's discovered that they are an NPE? Go online and find support groups. And I say online because they're almost impossible to find, you know, in life, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the support group has been the most amazing thing. Like, just, I mean, obviously some people have to do the whole, I got to find out where I come from and track down their ancestry. And maybe I want to visit, I want to visit, you know, like I always wanted to go to Ireland. Now I want to go to Portugal, you know, right. I always want Italy. I still want to go to Italy. Yeah. yeah. It's been really interesting. Almost everyone that I've spoken to who's an NPE has like this primal urge to visit where they originated, you know, culturally yeah. and everything in a way that I don't hear so much from people who are not NPEs. And I think that that's really interesting. I think it's because we've spent so much of our life not feeling a connection that you want that physical place to lay your hand and go, this is where I am from, where I know years and years of progress made this happen. Um, And there's, there's something very deep and primal in that urge to know where you're from to feel connected to something. And even when people die, you'll see very often, you know, either, either they have the urn, the cremation, they'll touch the urn, or they'll go to the grave and they'll put your hand right on the grave. That's that's where they are. That's where your connection, your where your soul is. You feel it inside. That thing that science can't explain, that soul of essence. You need to feel connected to that. And after feeling disconnected from our own families for so long, my, my biggest advice is to do anything that gives you that feeling, whatever that is. If that means you need to talk to other people, if that means you need to make a scrapbook and then bury that scrapbook and never talk about it ever again, if that means that you need to do an entire ancestry DNA documentary and start interviewing celebrities about how you're related to them all, then do do it. Whatever it is you need to do to yeah. give you that feeling that you've known a void in your entire life. And I have that. I have that filled already. I don't need my biological dad now. Knowing. Just knowing. Forgiveness is so important. And you're not going to feel better until you let go of the anger anyway. Anger festers. Yeah. And you wouldn't be here. Like... You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And so whatever lies, whatever came from that, you're here. And you can do things differently. And that actually is is my number one lesson in life, is never let other people's behavior determine your own. Mm, yes, that's so true. I think especially for us that are breaking those generational cycles. Yeah. Yeah. We all know, like, all of our secrets are out now. Well, not all of them, but I still don't know who my mom's dad is. I think, actually, that is my next part of my journey, is getting one of those DNA angels to seek out my mom's biological father so we can find out, you know, where we come from there. Oh, that would be amazing. Good luck yeah. with that. Well, I'll get the answer she never had. Yeah. 
Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being so generous with your story. Um, I think that your perspective on everything is so wise and reasonable and fair to everyone involved. And it's really nice to hear that perspective and to hear somebody that's kind of emerged from the other side of some of the anger and initial feelings that so many of us have when we first make the discovery. Well, I thank you for reaching out. Um, and I am more than honored to be, you know, a participant in this in this podcast and share my story. And hopefully somebody else can take comfort in knowing that there is many ways that you can see the same story. And it is the same for all of us, even if it's different. Yeah. Thanks again to Carrie for sharing her story. If you have a DNA surprise story you'd like to share, please email dnasurprises at gmail.com. Until next time.